Hello, listeners. For this episode, I spoke with Rachel Factor of Apiary Digital about intelligent tracking prevention. Rachel is a web analytics expert at Apiary with several years of analytics experience as well as marketing experience. We discuss how marketers and brands can react to changes in data tracking and the consumer preference for secure internet browsing. Hello, I am speaking with Rachel Factor, the resident analytics and tracking expert from Apiary Digital. Hello, Rachel. Hi. Um, So where are you recording from right now? I'm in Montevideo, Uruguay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I did not expect it to be as interesting as that. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's really interesting. Um, I'm a full-time traveler, have been for three and a half years and uh, I usually spend about a month in a place and then move on, depending if I like it. I might stay longer. Um, and this month I'm in Montevideo, Uruguay. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started your career uh, in marketing and SEO, correct? How did you get my my boss at my very first company like threw me a SEO for Dummies book and I read the whole thing and didn't like it, didn't like working in it. Um, so I moved on to um, like shopping channels. So, and I didn't really like the ads either, but I just loved the data that came from it. So I could like play with that and, you know, work with big spreadsheets. I became like this Excel master. And then I realized there was like a whole industry around just that part of marketing. And so I was like, Oh, that's what I want to do. And the rest is history. That's amazing. It's like you discover a treasure trove. Yeah. And yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Definitely. That's great. So our topic for today's episode is intelligent tracking prevention, uh, which I've been seeing in the news and sounds really matter of fact, but then when I read into it, it gets pretty technical. So just to kind of set the stage, can you explain what ITP or intelligent tracking prevention is and what its, what its effect is? Just layman's terms. <laughs> layman's terms. That's, that's the yeah. tough part. Um, so this is a this is a feature of Apple's um, newest version of Safari, Safari 11, um, that is essentially an AI for privacy uh, within your browser, um, and it makes decisions on certain kinds of um, cookies, first party cookies in particular, um, what is allowed to track you and what you do on the web. Hey listeners, just a quick jargon refresher. A cookie or web cookie is a snippet of data that is added to a user's web browser when they visit a certain website. This information is stored in the user's browser for a certain period of time and helps with things such as recording user activity. A first-party cookie is a cookie that is set on the domain by the domain you are currently visiting. A third-party cookie is a cookie that is owned by any domain other than the domain currently being visited. Back to the discussion. Okay, so... Apple came up with a product to increase user security and, and limit how much people are tracked when they're on Safari. Yes, uh, specifically like cross-site tracking. So there's already a, a limit on third-party cookies um, in Apple's Safari. So in past versions of Safari, this is already taking place. This is a big deal because it, this affects first-party cookies. And for a long time, people thought, first-party cookies were safe. You can't touch first-party cookies. Um, I place them on the site, so you can't do anything with them. And uh, what Apple noticed and what what everybody realizes is that first-party cookies can be used to track users across different websites throughout the web, just like 
a third party cookie. So a first party cookie behaving like a third party cookie, which can infringe on certain privacy standards, uh, depending on who you ask. Okay. So they're, they're, they're closing a loophole in tracking. Yeah. In a way. Absolutely. That's really interesting because as marketers, we're reliant on data to know how to get our brand messaging and product to customers in the places where they are and where they're, they'd be interested. That's you know the whole basis for how we uh, look at our performance and measure it and change it. So what does this intelligent tracking prevention placed on first-party cookies mean for being able to continue creating strategies based on data and behavior? Yeah. So that's a really good question. First of all, you know, you should take note that there's only like 5% of market share on desktop for Safari. So like it's very low and like an even smaller number are going to have this um, new browser. Of course, like that number is going to grow as more people get a new computer or update their browser Um, So, you know, first and foremost, like this is a very small number of people on desktop. It's a larger issue for people on mobile because Safari has about 50% market share on mobile devices. Um, So that is a greater concern. Um, The other piece of this is um, first party cookies, uh, when they're placed by a company like Google, for example, um, they kind of behave differently. So the rule um, that Apple has made for their their Safari browser is you're allowed 24 hours to you know place to place these first party cookies, um, and they leave this in because cookies first party cookies are an integral part of like how we uh, view websites and it's a seamless experience. You can't just ban cookies altogether. So they are saying that you can place a first party cookie that behaves like a third party tracker, um, and then it it no longer works after 24 hours. So you get this 24 hour period of basically wild west. And after that it's gone. But the thing is, if you use a product like Google, most people have some Google product open on their desktop at some point, like completely throughout the day. Right? So you might have your Gmail open, you might have Google analytics open, you might have a um, website open that uses a login for from Google. So like if you like log into Pinterest or something and it says log in with your Gmail, that places another first party cookie. So that 24 hour window never expires if you're using a, a big uh, company's you know products like Google. And the same goes for Facebook. Um, it kind of defeats the purpose of that, right? So all of a sudden um, you lose the uh, ability to limit the privacy of people who are using Google products. Um, so what has actually happened here is that instead of limiting the ability of companies to collect data on users across sites, is that they've limited small companies the ability to collect data on users across sites and emboldened large companies to continue their um, collection practices. So if you're using any kind of Google products to serve ads, like nothing is going to change for you. You know, something like 90% of all new ad dollars go to these two big companies, Google and Facebook anyway. So it kind of just solidifies their ownership of this market. Smaller companies like AdRoll or Criteo, which have their own network of AdServe, they are the big losers here. Um, they will not be able to compete and they, they just they don't have quite the same um, breadth 
across the internet that, that Google does. So they can't place first party cookies um, on browsers within the 24 hour window the same way that Google can. Is that something that Apple didn't anticipate or is that something that they were full well aware was going to happen because Google and Facebook are their competitors, competitors. in terms of size? Right. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's another good question. Um, I do think in some ways it is a unanticipated consequence. consequence. So, um, you know, if you want to talk about Apple's incentives here, it's, it's kind of, you know, at the beginning, I think it was an easy way for them to, um, you know, they, they don't have a ad product. You know, of all the things that Apple has, they don't have an ad product. So it was kind of an easy way to, like, poke at their competitors with no cost to them. Well, except it kind of gets rid of all the little guys um, and strengthens the big guys. Um, the other incentive that Apple has, of course, is that they're this, you know, seen as this privacy forward company, um, which I think is their goal in all of this. Um, you know, you've he probably heard in the news recently that, you know, Apple's refusing to cooperate with law enforcement to open mm -hmm. uh, iPhones and, you know, they encrypt... Right. Um, their messaging system and, and all that stuff is, is um, part of this greater strategy to be the privacy forward company um, beyond what Google is doing. They're saying, you know, buy an iPhone, buy a Mac, don't buy a Chromebook or, a, you know, an Android device because we're going to protect your privacy better than um, another company. And, you know, you could make the argument that uh, with you know, these unintended consequences that is still happening. Um, you know, I would probably rather, well, I don't know. It depends who you are, but I would probably rather have just Google have my information than Google and Critio and AdRoll and whatever other, um, uh, competitors are out there. Um, but I'm not sure that's quite the angle they're taking, but you know, it's kind of like if you trust Google to house your data, but not some of these other companies, which might be the case, um, then it does in the end protect privacy just a bit better. Right. It feels at this point on the internet, you're either a person who is completely fully known and tracked and you get ads that are unbelievably relevant or you're just on the dark web and huh. no one knows you exist. Like it feels like it just has to be one extreme or the other. So I can see where this push for privacy as a brand makes sense. You know, we hear a lot of stories in the media or just, you know, with my friends. A lot of my friends ask me, how is Facebook tracking me? Right. How do they serve me these ads? And it seems that like, as a brand, being too relevant seems to have a similar effect to the the uncanny valley or mm -hmm. that effect with um, computer animation of humans that when it gets too realistic, it just gets eerie and creepy. Mm-hmm. So if you could get it served an ad that feels too prescient and it kind of puts people off. So as a brand, like I feel that we need to have this new metric called the creep factor or something, mm -hmm, something right. that measures if your ads are a little too relevant. We don't want to be too creepy in our ad serving. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I think we're going to start to see a revolution of, of marketing here where um, just like Apple's doing, there's going to be privacy forward companies. Um, just like we had the green movement a few years ago and well still right where companies are putting this kind of um, like social justice foot forward where they're saying we care about the environment and you know these are the products we have that, that satisfy those um, needs and, and in the end it's just a marketing line right I mean they do have to back it up but it will be um, 
appealing to people. Um, it will be like part of a tagline. It's like, we care about your privacy. Like, this is how we protect your data. Um, you know, we don't collect this or that um, on you. And this is how long we save it for. Um, and you start to see that on some websites. Like if you go on um, certain websites these days, you say, okay, this is our, like, there'll be a pop-up as soon as you get there that says like, this is our data policy and we keep cookies, you know, this is how long our you know, cookie lasts for and this and that. And, um, and, and those are, are all new, right? And it's pretty rare to see still, but I think we're going to see an increase of that because people are starting to kind of wake up to this and, and care about it. There's a lot of things in the news. And then, like you said, you have this kind of creep factor uh, where people just, they don't want that information um, collected. Absolutely. I've gone into Facebook and looked through the categories that they've assigned to me. And it's, I don't know, it was like hearing my mom try and tell me who I am. Yeah. It was like, they know me so well, but I was like, no, 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 no. But they don't really know me. <laughs> right. You don't know me. Yeah. That's so interesting. And so coming back to, you know, we're marketers and we're brands who rely on data and we're also users who are interested, you know, notice creep factors and are interested in our own privacy. And we want to keep privacy for our customers as well. So you touched on it a bit earlier, but what is kind of the immediate future for privacy protection? Are there whispers about other brands coming out with more privacy on their tools? Or um, is this something that's going to be changing really rapidly, do you think? Or is it going to be something that's kind of slowly evolving and we'll hear about it when it comes out. Yeah, I mean, I have <laughs> what I would like to happen and what I actually think will happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, Perfect. and and so I'm sure a lot of people will agree with that too, that I would like to see, I think everybody would be better protected, um, consumers and companies, if you know people were just more aware of the data that was being collected. Most people just don't have any clue. Most consumers on the web, um, you, they just, they don't know what a cookie is. <laughs> they don't know. Um, they don't know this thing's called a browser. You know, they don't know what the, this information that they're giving up will result, uh, will be sold, um, to, to companies. Like they just really don't have any idea. And I, so I do think like a certain level of literacy around that, like what you should give up on the internet, what you shouldn't, that your information belongs to you. Um, would be really positive. I think it should be, you know, in the hands of the companies then, like it's their responsibility to kind of um, do the right things with data. So, you know, make sure that they're housing all data in an appropriate and secure fashion. Um, make, make the data available to people. Like it would be so nice if you could just go see every bit of information that every company has on you, like in some kind of central database or something like that. If there was a program for that, which is something that's happening in Europe right now. You can go to any company you have to and demand your the information that they've collected on you and they have to give it to you legally. Um, it, that's not going to happen here. Um, I do think you know, what will happen here is that it will become popular. As I mentioned earlier, you're going to have these data, these privacy forward companies that um, will market based off of the fact that they care about your privacy. It works really well for Apple. Like I know a lot of people who choose Apple products um, based off of their, their privacy concerns, you know, and rightfully so. Um, you don't really hear about any of the large tech companies you know, protecting your privacy in the same way. Um, Google's response to this whole intelligent 
tracking prevention thing, you know, when people ask, are you going to make any changes to how your browser Chrome um, tracks information across sites? Uh, they did not. They did not respond with a similar, with a like kind um, change. They actually just said that they were going to um, raise the standards for the kind of ads that that they were going to block from their networks. Um, so, like, not even close to any kind of protection of privacy because that's not really in their interests. That they um, at their mm-hmm. at their base. That's how they still make their money. Um, but you, I think you still will hear about them making small changes to appease people as this becomes more popular. But at, at, at this point in time, like there's not a demand for it quite yet. Interesting. It's a, it's, it's kind of strange, you know, as a thinking about being as a small brand, um, this is really important because it's good to understand where our data is coming from and why our data might change, you know, if your brand and all of a sudden your browser traffic from Safari is tanked or your, your ability to track is tanked. So now people can kind of have an understanding of like why that may be happening as a brand and begin to start thinking moving forward about how the landscape of the internet is going to be changing based on these privacy needs. And that that's something that we should all start thinking about mm-hmm. uh, for our customers. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I do think the, everyone will adapt like this, this, um, industry will adapt. Like this is not going to be the end of digital marketing or anything like that. Digital marketing makes the internet go round, Right. So it's probably not going to be on that level. Um, there, there's probably solutions in the works right now for these smaller companies to get out their ads the same way that, that Google does. So, uh, yeah, so stay tuned. (laughs) Well, great. That was, um, Super interesting. I feel like I understand it a lot more now. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, And we'll definitely keep in touch about having you back on to discuss a bit more. This is a pretty big, meaty topic that, you know, we could definitely dive more into. Oh, yeah. I could talk about it all day. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Hive is Alive. If you have any thoughts or experiences with intelligent tracking prevention, reach out to us over email or on social. Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to follow up with your thoughts or questions by emailing us at podcast at apiarydigital.com, follow and tweet us at apiarydigital, and subscribe to our show. The Hive is Alive is produced by Apiary Digital Media Collective. Editing help from Holly Hilton. Produced by Karnika Herodos, Tess Berry, and Karen Amundsen. And we will see you around the water cooler.